Well, I heard a man say one time that evangelicals love lists, and uh, I think that's true. We have our grocery lists, we have our homework assignment lists, we have our to-do lists, our honey-do lists, our bucket lists, and our lists on the nightstand. How many of you have lists on the nightstand? So if you wake up in the middle of the night, you can write it down. Oh, come on. I know some of you do. Maybe it's just my mother. Anyway, I know you probably have a prayer list somewhere, maybe in your Bible or on a devotional stand at home. I want to talk this morning about the fact that prayer is more than a list. Amen? We have an old discipleship course at TCF called the MCS series, Maturity in Christ series, and I think it's on page seven. It says, prayer is talking with God. To know someone, you must talk with them and spend time with them. The same is true if we want to know God. Prayer should be more than a list of things we want from God. Prayer should also express our love, our praise, and our thanks to God. And then MCS went on to use this acronym from the book of Acts, the Acts acronym for prayer. A stands for adoration, exalting the greatness of God. C for confession, confessing our sins. T for thanksgiving, giving thanks to God. And S for supplication, that's a theological word for lifting our needs and our wants to God. But let's reverse the order because this is often the real way we pray. We start with supplication. And I want to say if all we do is ask God for our needs and our wants, we make him our bellboy, don't we? Serving us rather than us serving him. Thanksgiving is a good thing. We're exhorted throughout the scriptures to give thanks to God, aren't we? And I want to be a thankful people. I know you do too. But if we only thank God, uh, it can become robotic and uh, empty. Sometimes I'm just so grateful to God, I'm just sitting there saying, thank you, Lord, 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 thank you, Lord. And uh, it becomes kind of silly to my own ears. And I think about a husband who's saying that to his wife over and over and over. I love you. 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 Eventually, it would be kind of empty, wouldn't it? And she'd probably say, well, tell me why you love me. Say something more. Confession. We often skip right over this one, don't we? It can be the lost child in the family of prayer. We often think to ourselves, I'll give him a bath and put him to bed tomorrow night. I don't want to deal with him right now. And then the missing ingredient that I want to talk about today is adoration. That adoration will deepen us as believers and bring great glory to God. Adoration, I believe, is the missing ingredient in our personal prayer time with God. It's exalting the one great God for who He is. 
It's not massaging God's ego so then he'll give us what we want. It's setting our minds, calling to mind, and declaring to the heavenlies and the spiritual forces who this great God is. Amen? All right. There's a theologian in the past, a a Catholic theologian named Frederick von Hugel, and he caught this reality. He said the most fundamental need, duty, honor, and happiness of mankind is not petition. By petition, he meant supplication, right? Asking for our needs. Not even contrition, confession. Nor again, even thanksgiving. These three kinds of prayer, which indeed must never disappear out of our spiritual lives, but what? Adoration. Adoration. You know, I learned so much being on the worship team. We have so much fun, and I wish you could be with us. About a year ago, Hallett was talking about bilabial fricatives. Um, now, I learned, I, was, I, was, I enjoyed learning that bilabial fricatives are where you use both lips and air moving through your lips to create some phonetic sounds that I don't think belong to English, but some other languages. Hallett didn't uh, tell us, as I recall, whether we were talking about voiced bilabial fricatives or voiceless bilabial fricatives. But I did read online that George Carlin incorrectly used the phrase bilabial fricative to refer to the sound of blowing a raspberry, which is correctly called a lingual labial trill, except as performed by chimpanzees. So... If you want to know more about bilabial fricatives, talk to Hallett. (laughs) I also learned, have learned on the uh, worship team that banjos and banjo players are the scourge of musicians. I think the first banjo joke, there are thousands of banjo jokes, just like Polish jokes, blonde jokes, and so forth. I think the first uh, banjo joke I heard is, how do you know a banjo has been pitched perfectly? The answer is it lands in the dumpster without touching the sides. (laughs) But a couple of weeks ago, Tom came up to the worship team to share with us uh, a banjo joke, and he said uh, this man and his alligator walked into a bar, and they asked the bartender, do you serve banjo players here? And the bartender said, well, yes, uh, we do. We We don't discriminate against anyone. And the man said, well, in that case, I'll have a beer and a banjo player for my alligator. (laughs) A couple of weeks ago, maybe we experienced, or at least I experienced, the coup de grace of these, uh, as Jim would say, gay conviviality. Hallett mentioned uh, something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, here's a definition. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias wherein unskilled individuals suffer from illusory superiority, (laughs) mistakenly assessing their ability to be much higher than is accurate. This bias is attributed to a metacognitive inability of the unskilled to recognize their ineptitude. 
Why Hallett would mention this to me, I have no idea. But he went on to say that in popular culture, the Dunning-Kruger effect is simply that you don't know what you don't know. But actually, I decided this simple definition is incomplete because of the illusory superiority feature to this definition. In other words, to be accurate, you must say that in discussing this effect, you don't know that you don't know what you think you know that you don't. As I thought about this more deeply, I suspected I was guilty, in fact, of the Dunning-Kruger effect concerning its very existence because I didn't know about it until Hallett told me I didn't know about it. But then I realized perhaps I wasn't guilty after all because I had a slight suspicion that I didn't know what I didn't know thereby making the illusory superiority clause null and void in my case. And so, therefore, I might have known that I didn't know what I thought I knew that I didn't. You can imagine I was greatly relieved. So you might want to give this some thought. Might you not know that you don't know what you think you know that you don't? That's the end of that stuff. <laughs> Seriously, though, leaders are readers. Isn't that a nice phrase? Leaders are readers and disciples are fat. Faithful, available, and teachable. Wise men are lifelong learners, aren't they? And often you hear an older person say, the older I get, the less I think I know. See, they're not falling prey to the Dunning-Kruger effect, are they? They're suspicious that they don't know what they don't know. But when it comes to prayer, see, all this ties in. When it comes to prayer, let's not be guilty of the Dunning-Kruger effect, but understand that adoration of God is key. Last week when Bill was rebooting the Help Wanted Prayer Challenge, he showed us a quote from Hudson Taylor. In the study of the Divine Word, I learned that to obtain successful workers, what was needed were not elaborate appeals for help, but first earnest prayer to God to thrust forth laborers, and second, the deepening of the spiritual life of the church so that men should be unable to stay home. My goal this morning is to talk about the deepening of the spiritual life of the church or to try to achieve that goal for us by lifting up this feature of adoration to God. And my focus, friends, is your personal prayer life not necessarily corporate, our corporate time together. I think we do a good job of that together. But in our prayer lives, our corporate lives, I want to ask you to consider as I continue, do I want to beef up or add this feature to my prayer life, the feature of greater adoration? So if we're going to 
set out to adore the Lord, we best know what adoration is exactly. Here's a definition from MCS. Quietly reflect upon the greatness and majesty of God. As you behold him in your spirit, sense the awe that one experiences in the presence of the sovereign of the universe. In a little bit, we're going to go over some of the attributes of God that we can glory in and ways we can adore him. And I might get a little shouty, you know. But if I do, I don't mean to communicate that you have to shout to adore the Lord. You can do it meditatively. You can do it in your mind, but you can also uh, express it through your mouth. There are three listed definitions of adoration in Webster's. Meanings of worship and honor. Meanings of the expressions of admiration and devotion. And a third meaning that captured my mind a little bit, and that is to be extremely fond of the Lord. And we need to cultivate all three of these in our lives, don't we? I was thinking of Jonathan Edwards and how he wrote Treatise Concerning Religious Affections. He said, true, true religion in great part consists in the affections or the feelings. Do we allow ourselves to feel that fondness and that affection and that adoration for the Lord? After the uh, Great Awakening, and there was a great debate about, you know, barking and swooning and all of that, uh, Jonathan Edwards sought in this book to uh, create room for great uh, expression of feelings toward God. He said, I should think myself in the way of my duty to raise the affections of my hearers toward God as high as possibly I can, provided that they are affected with nothing but truth and with affections that are not disagreeable to the nature of God. I don't mean to give the impression that Jonathan Edwards was in favor of those excessive types of manifestations, but he was in favor of extreme emotion and extreme affection toward God. He went on to say, it appears that all that is ever spoken of in the scripture as an ultimate end of God's works is included in this one phrase, the glory of God. In the creatures knowing, esteeming, loving, rejoicing in and praising God, the glory of God is both exhibited and acknowledged. His fullness is received and returned. He said, the beams of glory come from God, are something of God, and are refunded back again to God. So that the whole is of God, and in God, and to God, and he is the beginning, the middle, and the end. John Piper writes, this is the essence of what is needed today to overcome the hollowing out of evangelical life and the collapsing of our private meditations into self-centered musings. Isn't that powerful? Have you ever been praying and, and had a sense at the end of your prayers that all of your prayers were about you? 
<laughs> and, and that you had made something selfish of prayer. Not that God doesn't care about us. Of course he does. But we need that broader foundation on which to lift our needs and our desires and our affections before God. So adoration, at least, fixes our affections upon the Lord. And that is a highly valuable thing. How can we do it? How can we adore the Lord? Well, like any self-respecting evangelical, I made a list. And that list is in your bulletin. Um, You could pull it out now. I think you should if you have a bulletin. If you don't, maybe look on with your neighbor or look at the PowerPoint. The first list is from the book of Psalms. I call it Ways to Adore God from the Psalms. And I've touched on this list before in previous messages, but I thought we'd spend some time on it. The first word that comes to mind is that we can exalt the Lord. To exalt the Lord means to lift up in honor, to elevate the rank of. Here's an example, Psalm 99.5. Exalt the Lord and worship at his feet. In Psalm 46.10 we read, I will be exalted in the earth. And a response in 108 verse 5, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. The next word is exalt, Uh, close spelling, but with a U instead of an A. This means to express triumphant joy over. Psalm 9-2, I will be glad and exult in thee. When I read this word, I think about David dancing with all his might before the Lord. I think of our, our, some of our kids and women who dance back here and how beautiful that is. Please don't think that we don't want that type of expression here at TCF. We just want it uh, done without seeking attention of man. Extol is a third word, to give high praise, to laud. Uh, Psalm 149.6 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. Hallelujah. And so these three, first three taken together makes me think of that country western song, All My Exes Live in Texas, but uh, actually all these exes live in the book of Psalms. Here's three more. Boast in the Lord to speak with excessive pride. Psalm 34, 2. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. Are we the type of people who boast about the Lord out there? Oh, I hope we are. I hope we can. Magnify the Lord to enlarge in size, to intensify the view Psalm 34, 3, oh, magnify the Lord with me. And then there's the second half of this, that verse, and let us exalt his name together. I think of a, a microscope, how when friends are looking into a microscope, oh, look at this, and you look in and something that is, um, has been small in your sight is raised to this magnification 
and you see it in all its glory. And then the word ascribe. Remember that word from the book of Psalms? Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. It means to assign value, quality, attributes, and so on. A couple more. Declare, to publicly and emphatically make known. Psalm thirty-five twenty-eight. My tongue shall declare thy righteousness and thy praise all day long. Isn't that a nice, those last three words, aren't those nice? Aren't they a challenge? I will do it all day long. Let's see. Tell is to give an account of or to narrate a story. Psalm 66, 16. Come and hear all who fear God and I will tell of what he has done for my soul. Just two more on this list. Praise the Lord. The act of expressing approval or admiration or commendation. Psalm 34.1 I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. When my children, when Laura's and my children were very small, I think Abby was five, Hannah was probably four, I'm guessing Esther was two, and I don't know if Nathaniel was born yet, but we, we went up to Minneapolis to see my folks, or we were heading up there. And it was a time of, of great uh, fervency in my family. At home, we, we praised the Lord, we worshiped the Lord, we, we prayed for my parents with great fervor. We were, at that time, absolute fanatics. And so when uh, we were about to head up to my parents' home, foolish man that I am, I, uh, I said, now kids, we might want to use a little discretion uh, when we're, we're up there with my folks. Well, what's discretion, Daddy? Well, what I mean is we might want to just tone down our talk about the Lord just a little bit. It might overwhelm them. And so we're up there and we're in the dining room. It's a very formal dining room and we've had a very formal meal. Uh, all is good. And then Abigail pushes back from the table. She finished her food. She pushed back from the table and she grabbed her belly and she said, Praise the Lord! (laughs) Needless to say, we cracked up, including my parents, and it turned out to be a a great witness for the Lord. And then, bless the Lord to extol or pronounce as. Psalm 103, verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. We have songs, a lot of songs, that bless the Lord, don't we? Uh, This very verse we've turned into a song. Or, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises will I always sing. Ways to adore God from the Psalms. But what do we adore him for? And what are the attributes that we want to be adoring? Well, there are so many in the scriptures. Here are just a few. 
His beauty, Psalm 27, 4, that I may behold the beauty of the Lord. Do you think about the beauty of the Lord? The, the throne room is supposed to, be, to have indescribable beauty. I think about the beauty of the Lord. You are beautiful beyond description, we sing. Too marvelous for words. His glory, Psalm 72, 19. May the whole earth be filled with His glory. And in Isaiah we read, My glory I will not give to another. His holiness, we sang this morning about His holiness, didn't we? Exodus fifteen eleven. Who is like Thee, majestic in holiness? And I can't go into it right now, but we have talked from this pulpit about how holiness is God's fundamental attribute. His fundamental attribute. His righteousness. Psalm eleven seven. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. Isn't that beautiful? He loves righteousness. He made him to be sin who knew no sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. And then His loving kindness. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for His loving kindness is everlasting. I hope I'm not wearing you out with these. Let me read just a few verses from Psalm 136. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. In fact, why don't you just say that at the end of each line. Give thanks to the God of gods, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His loving kindness is everlasting. To Him who made the heavens with skill, for His loving kindness is is everlasting to him who spread out the earth above the waters for his loving kindness is everlasting there's 20 more verses like that uh, if you want to extol or exalt the lord for his loving kindness then his majesty psalm 1041 o lord my god thou art clothed with splendor and majesty his faithfulness, Psalm 36.5, Thy faithfulness reaches to the heavens. Your mercies are new every morning. And what? Great is your faithfulness. How many of you are thankful for the faithfulness of God? Hasn't He touched you and guided you and led you thus far? And the Word says He will bring us safely home. One that we don't think a lot about is his splendor. You could do a Bible study on this word splendor and pray back to him. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. His lordship, Psalm 146.10, The Lord will reign forever. Thy God, O Zion, to all generations. This is a really a cool passage in Psalm 115. 
But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone, that is, who trusts in them. But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever He pleases. The Lordship of Christ. And then one of my favorites is Psalm 68.20, His deliverances. God is to us a God of deliverances. And to God the Lord escapes from death. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. The God who is our salvation God is to us a God of deliverances, and to God the Lord belong escapes from death. How many of you really should be dead by now? You've had several brushes with death, and yet here you are. To God belongs escapes from death. Well, I wanted to look at some prayers in the Bible of adoration. Where do we see this occur? And the first one that really I was unfamiliar with uh, is David, where he is uh, preparing the materials for the temple to be built by his son Solomon. He knows that God will not allow him in his lifetime to build the temple, but that Solomon will. So David, what does he do? He does everything short of building the temple. He gathers all the materials, all the gold, all the resources that are necessary, and then he he gets the people together and he prays this way. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth. Thine is the dominion, O Lord, and thou dost exalt thyself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from thee, and thou dost rule over all, and in thy hand is power and might. And it lies in thy hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now therefore, our God, we thank Thee and praise Thy glorious name. Isn't that a beautiful prayer that David prayed, exalting the Lord? How about what is known as that the Magnificat of Mary visiting Elizabeth? Um, some years back, I think, Heather, you sang this song up front, didn't you, at Christmas? Somebody did. Maybe it was Abby. I don't know. But anyway, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And my spirit exalts in God my Savior. For he has looked upon my lowliness, and his name shall be forever exalted. For the mighty God, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Oh my, 
oh my. Even Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, how did he start the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy is thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you see Jesus modeling that as well, beginning with adoration. And then one more out of Revelation 5 where John has a vision of the angels and the living creatures and the elders around the throne in heaven saying, worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Prayer is not just a list. I want to I pray for us as a way to close. So would you stand with me and let's pray that this feature of adoration uh, would, would become a stronger part of our prayer lives. How many of you feel that that is right and good and righteous for you? That you want to make adoration part of and a greater part of your personal prayer. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would, in fact, deepen us and that to the extent that adoration has been a missing ingredient of our personal prayer lives, Lord, that you would kindle a new fire. And Father, that we would learn the skill and the art and the beauty of beginning our prayers with adoration to you for who you are. That it would set our minds, Father, about the one to whom we are praying. That it would set our affections, dear Lord. That we might fulfill the great commandment to love God with all our heart and all our souls, all our minds, and all our strengths. Let us adore the ever-living God. Help us, Father. Deepen us, O Lord, that we might fully love You. We pray that we would exalt You, extol You, exalt in You, boast in You, magnify You, tell and declare, bless and praise. Father, all day long, in our homes, in our hearts, quietly in our spirits, also through our lips. Father, we pray we would remember your many great attributes. We just touched on ten, but your mercy, your long-suffering, that you are closer than a brother. Your loving kindness, your greatness, 
that you are a wonderful counselor, that you are the Prince of Peace, that you are the Ancient of Days, the Everlasting Father. Lord, we could go on and on and on. And may we do just that, Lord, in our personal prayer times. We stand in awe of you, Lord. You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depth of your love? You are beautiful beyond description, majesty enthroned above. And so we stand, we stand in awe of You. We stand, Lord, we stand in awe of You. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, we stand in awe of You. Lord, one more time, we bless You, we thank You, we give You all our glory and praise, and we ask You to deepen us by teaching us the skill and the glory and the art of adoring you. We thank you for Jesus Christ, perhaps most of all, saving us from our sins, going to the cross, sending the Holy Spirit, letting us who never saw him believe fully in him. We thank you, Heavenly Father, I ask for a great blessing upon us, upon us as a people, that with all the other good things you are working in our spirits, that you would work this as well. The ability and the hunger and the desire and the fanaticism to adore the Lord. We praise you and bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.